Welcome to the Imago Day podcast, a show of philosophical and theological reflections for today's world. My name is Lewis, and I am here with Joseph Terry. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing well, enjoying this delicious cup of coffee that I made today. Nice. Got my got myself a nice uh, collection of beans from uh, Trader Joe's, <laughs> organic only. Are Feeling they nice? Are they a show sponsor? Is that what I'm oh, hearing? Oh man, I, you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe. yeah, sure. <laughs> Hopefully, I get some, you know, get some some royalties or yeah, you know, something residual <laughs> royalties. But yeah, but there you go. Uh, today, uh, we're, we're feeling nice for now. <laughs> today, we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to dive into some more Plato and talk about specifically uh, value and the quest for the good. Now, um, Joe, you highlighted a section from Plato's The Republic, uh, specifically Book Two. And you wanted to talk about different types of goods. Uh, now, before we get into that, uh, I wanted to, I guess, set the scene as to like what led Plato to talk about this area, specifically Glaucon, mm-hmm. which he always pops up in our conversation. Glaucon just seems mm-hmm. to be that guy. Just he's such an inquisitor. <laughs> um, he yeah. he argued to Socrates that um, this idea of of justice. And anyone who values justice really having an ulterior motive. Um, mm. Glaucon, he used uh, a classic Greek myth, the ring of, of Gyges, which is basically the story of a person who kind of has a ring like similar to Frodo in Lord of the Rings that like mm-hmm. when he puts it on, he turns invisible. And he argued that if anybody had that power, that they would easily fall into kind of doing the wrong thing because they wouldn't get caught. Um, and he was using that as an, as an argument that, like, um, is there really anyone who would value justice for itself uh, versus, right. like, we're just really kind of scared of what would happen if we got caught. Um, and that's why we value justice. So I found that a very compelling argument. And, um, yeah, so first, like, what do you make of that? And, and why... Yeah, what do you make of, of Glaucon's kind of argument that people value justice just because they're scared of getting caught? I I I, I really like what he's doing there because what he's um, showcasing is the power of a position called egoism, mm-hmm. which which is saying that m- many, if not most, of our actions are uh, intrinsically motivated by means of our own good, our own desires, our own petite. Um, wants and needs mm-hmm. uh, and and we're not necessarily concerned with the collective good or some sort of objective good that we ourselves should measure up to but rather we are the ones who determine <clears throat> and uh, you know kind of what is good and what is valuable and and that skews any reality of 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 justice uh, because if justice is true if there really is such a thing as justice that presupposes um, an objective uh, standard for what is right and what is wrong, and and that raises questions about values and 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 the word good, which we'll we'll unpack in just a moment. So I, I think what Glaucon is doing is very important there. Uh, Plato, who's the author of this, uh, using both Glaucon and uh, Socrates as sort of interlocutors there to, to showcase Plato's own ideas. Um, is very wise in bringing this out. It's sort of like a, a counter argument. He's setting it up. Mm. He's he's attempting to give a very strong response from the negative side, so that Plato, through the mouth of Socrates in a narrative, um, he he could really then uh, showcase 
his thinking mm-hmm. and the rationality behind what authentic justice is for, for and for Plato justice is simply giving to to others what is their due mm-hmm. giving to the person what is their due and then he, of course he spends all of the several books of the republic unpacking what that means mm-hmm. and and here uh, he starts with the question of well values or good which can be in one sense interchangeable here mm-hmm. before we before we uh, define value and mm-hmm. good why is it important for, for you and I to think about these things or anyone um, just in our life journey to think about justice, value, and good and, an un- and to have a personal <clears throat> understanding of what that means? I think, it's, I, I think it's important for us to think about this because it's really what governs our day-to-day actions mm-hmm. and it governs our belief systems. <clears throat> the reason why I would go to Soho and, and into Armani Exchange as an example to purchase a nice belt or, or a pair of jeans that I'm feeling uh, uh, is because I see some kind of value in that, right? I see some kind of good. I see them as something desirable. Uh, if I take a step back and really consider all of my actions, whether they are actions within a sort of overarching economic system or actions with regards to who am I going to choose to marry or date or where am I going to go to school, whether or not I should go to school, and fundamentally the question of what is the good life, what is the ideal life, what is the best kind of life, underneath all of those questions uh, is, is fundamentally a perspective of, of what is valuable, what is good? Mm-hmm. So really to, re- to, to raise the question of goods and values is, is to address something that seems to be at the heart of what life is all about. Many of the times we, again, we, we, we just act as if we have really thought about these things. Uh, we act with the, with the assumption, or maybe one could even say the presumption that we know what is in fact valuable or good. And, you know, given our uh, current culture and, and, and generation and, and, and sort of situation, <clears throat> many of us will tend to say, well, what is valuable and good is predicated on the individual, on the I, on the subject. There's nothing objective about that. And perhaps that is true to a degree. Um, but but Plato and Socrates and the like will push back against that, that sort of radical subjectivism and say, um, there is actually an objective ground for the for the true, for the good, and for the beautiful, and it's not something merely open to one's aesthetic taste. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not merely subjective. It's something much more than that. And if we don't get to that, if we don't really wrestle with that, we will miss something at the very heart of what life is all about. So, how would you define uh, what what is a value and what is a good? And you said they're the same thing, right? They could be used interchangeably here. I, I I would say, yeah, you know, a value simply can be defined as something that is of worth, something that is of worth. When we think of worship, you could think of it as worthship, mm-hmm. right? Worship is is addressing and and reckoning with what is of infinite value. Here, that would be God, right? But leaving the question of God to the side. Um, value can simply be de- simply be defined as what is what is of worth, what we find worthy, and we recognize that values <clears throat> can have a subjective element. Excuse me, <clears throat> it's that coffee. You see that? <laughs> Come on, it's, Trader it's, Joe's. It's, it's the Trader Joe. Is the Trader Joe beans? <laughs> 
there could be a, a subjective element uh, to values, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, I, I have a, a marker from from Staples, right? Uh, let's say uh, a dry erase marker, and it's like red. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, it's valuable to me as a teacher, as a professor. Uh, but let's say you gave me, you, Lewis, you gave me this, mm-hmm. and you you share with me the story as to why <clears throat> you're giving me this red mark. And I recognize that, my goodness, you went through extreme, extreme uh, 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 challenges in order to secure this red marker for me <laughs> for whatever reason, right? <clears throat> like, uh, have you ever seen, now, uh, yeah. you ever seen Pulp Fiction, <laughs> The Watch? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh, okay. Exactly. And so now the marker, its value to me subjectively will be will be greater. It's going to be like, wow, this 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 is not just merely a red marker. I may not even use the marker frequently. Mm -hmm. I may kind of put it in a safekeeping or whatever. Right. So we can ascribe values uh, to varying things, Mm -hmm. Um, see them as goods by means of our own subjective appropriation. Mm of those items. The question is, and and this is where Plato wants to go, um, is there something objectively valuable? So let's say a human life. Even if the human life before me is my enemy, by virtue of that person being an enemy to me, does that negate the value of their life? And we want to say that though we feel maybe in that moment contrary to that, or we may want to seek to diminish their value, there seems to be something objectively valuable about this person, qua person, or that is to say by virtue of the fact that they have dignity and worth. Mm -hmm. Um, Their value is intrinsic to their nature. And so while value or good can be simply defined as something of worth, we can begin to see that there are different kinds or different degrees or levels, as it were, of values or goods. And can you just define intrinsic? Yeah, so the word intrinsic simply means in and of itself. Or in other words, uh, within its own nature. Okay. Right? So happiness is intrinsically good or intrinsically valuable. In other, in other words, there's something within the very, the very being or the very state of happiness that seems to be good. Mm-hmm. That we don't want happiness towards some other end. That is the end in, in which we seek to strive. In fact, when we ask people, like, what do you want out of life? So many people say, I just want to be happy. Mm-hmm. I want to be happy. Mm-hmm. As if that is the goal, is that, that is the end to which we are orienting ourselves. The, the and, pursuit and that of happiness, is so to speak. The pursuit of happiness, mm-hmm. right? And that means that there's something about happiness or joys, uh, simple pleasures that seem to be intrinsically good in and of itself. Mm-hmm. We may even say um, that, that God uh, is intrinsic goodness. We may even say he's good beyond good. I mean, go into the metaphysics there. Mm. But um, so you have those, you have the intrinsic goods, then you have uh, the instrumental goods. And the word instrumental is key because when you hear the instrument, you want want to think of utility, something that's useful. Mm -hmm. So instrumental values or goods are good or valuable in as far as they lead us to intrinsic goods. So for example, money. One doesn't really value money in and of itself. There's nothing intrinsically valuable about money. Intrinsically value uh, money is just paper mm-hmm. or digits on the screen. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in and of itself that's like, oh my gosh, right? <laughs> 
But we value money because of what it can get us. It could lead us into spaces and places and positions where we're better um, uh, able to receive intrinsic goods. Like with money, I can go to Santorini and chill at a sweet hotel and watch a sunset. And the act of just beholding the sunset with a glass of wine as I sit in the jacuzzi with my wife. <laughs> now that, I'm, of course, I'm referring back to my honeymoon. I was going to say, did this actually... <laughs> <laughs> did that like that's, in, that's something intrinsically amazing. Like this is intrinsically good. Mm. Just the simple joy of abiding before this beauty, right? Mm. But there's no way I couldn't have gotten there if, if I didn't save some of my little pennies, mm. my wife and I, to get there, yeah. right? So, so, so money is instrumental. Medicine is an instrumental good, right? We don't value medicine for its own sake. We value it because of what it can get us, and that is health, which has an intrinsic element, which then leads us to the third category here. And again, these are categories we can ascertain based on just what you and I wrote. Mm. Uh, the third category here is combination goods. And that word combination, of course, is highlighting that goods or values uh, can be at once both intrinsic and instrumental. And so example here is like knowledge. It's a great, great example, or even health. So knowledge, we would say there's something about knowledge, the awareness of truths, right? Wisdom. There's something intrinsically valuable in and of itself about that. But no one would deny that knowledge is useful in instrumental ways as well, right? Knowledge can get me from point A to point B. The same with health. There's something about um, health that is intrinsically right about that and good. But at the same time, uh, it's instrumentally valuable because with health, I'm able to go outside of my house. I'm able to enjoy other things that are intrinsically um, worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And so we have different degrees of values here. It, there is a hierarchy of mm. uh, lower goods and values and higher goods or values. What are the implications of that on the person trying to live a good life? That's a great, great question. I, this, this brings me to mind a, a study that has been done, I want to say, um, I believe several times, mm. uh, from, from healthcare professionals um, working within hospices, uh, end-of-life care, and uh, what these um, nurse practitioners or nurses or, or physicians have, have written about in, the, in this research with regards to what, what usually happens psychologically and linguistically for those who are nearing death. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that, that comes from them in terms of their own wishes and heart's desires? And, and there has, been, I think it's been about five key things that, that typically is communicated, right? So for instance, one of the things that's communicated for a person nearing death is a sense of regret that they didn't spend enough time with their loved ones, mm -hmm. with the ones that they, that they really cared for and that they knew cared for them. And they, they spent too much time pursuing things that in the final analysis are worthless, and, and so I just using that as an example, right? Um, it's amazing how somebody on their deathbed uh, is not saying, I'm, I'm upset that I wasn't able to purchase that car that I wanted or get that home or get this much money in the bank. No one is really saying this, which is interesting because that's exactly what most of us pursue in our day-to-day -day life, wow. yeah. right? So what they are communicating instead are things that we would, uh, say, yeah, and are intrinsically valuable, mm -hmm. like simple joys, mm -hmm. uh, a sense of self, things that are meaningful, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
and they and the regret is that they lived their lives pursuing things that were actually on the lower end of the spectrum mm-hmm. when it comes to goods and values mm-hmm. things that would fall in the the bracket of some sort of a kind of materialism mm-hmm. living according to the dictates of consumerism being oriented towards a kind of hedonism a, a sort of uh, base sensualistic hedonism mm-hmm. Where now when they have time to reflect, regrets come up that they wasted so much of their life doing things that are fundamentally not meaningful. Mm-hmm. And so it, this brings to me uh, Plato's statement that philosophy actually, we do philosophy as a means to prepare for death. And what, what Plato means specifically has to deal with the sort of metaphysics of the soul. Mm-hmm. But we can also use that and say, yeah, philosophy forces us, as it were, it invites us, probably a better language there, to wrestle with the things that are meaningful while we are still alive so that we can orient our lives towards the things that actually mean the most while we can, rather than living with regrets later so that when death does come, we are ready. Mm -hmm. We've lived actually a full life. We lived a good life. And so what this means is that we can live a life duped. We can, we can be utterly uh, duped in thinking that the good life is fundamentally about power, sex, uh, acquisitional, wealth, um, honor, glory. And not to say that those things are not valuable. Of course, all those things have uh, value and good. Um, but if these are seen as the higher goods, then we may miss out on the things that are actually worthwhile, like relationships, mm-hmm. the cultivation of friendship, the pursuit of truth and wisdom, mm-hmm. simple joys in life, mm-hmm. happiness, you see. And so this is why this is actually at the heart of the question of what is the good life. Um, this is at the heart of it, because if we don't get it right, then we can live our entire lives pursuing the lower goods that actually never satisfy. Mm. They never satiate what we deeply long for. Mm. This reminds me of, um, I just picked up uh, Kierkegaard's book, Purity of Heart is to Will One Thing. I'm currently halfway Mm. through, and and we definitely need to have a discussion later about it. But um, Mm -hmm. spoiler alert, the the one thing that uh, Kierkegaard is referring to in, in the book's title, he refers to as the good. Um, with a capital G. And mm. I was wondering, because we're, we're talking about like a different hierarchy of goods, um, and you also talked about how like pleasure and hedonism is considered a, a lower good. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess my question is why? Like why, why is that kind of seen objectively as a, as a lower good than something like... Um, uh, relationships or, or love or, or these other concepts you mentioned? It's a great question. Th- this leads us to um, an entire discussion on value theories. Mm. <clears throat> there are different kinds of value theories. Hedonism is a value theory. Um, and, and a value theory can simply be defined as um, um, a perspective or a paradigm regarding what is in fact intrinsically valuable um, or worth pursuing. Right. So hedonism um, is um, we get the word hedon, right, was pleasure. Uh, Hedonism says, in essence, that pleasure 
is the only intrinsic good. And all other goods, all other values are merely instrumental. Mm. Now, this is interesting, right? Because what that would mean is this. You don't, you're, the, your mom's life, mm. your dad's life, your sibling's life, right? Though we may want to say that they are intrinsically good, they really are only intrinsically good to the degree in which they give you some form of pleasure, mm -hmm. some form of comfort. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that is actually intrinsically worthwhile is pleasure. Wow. Now, this raises questions about, well, how do we define pleasure or what do we mean by pleasure? Because the hedonists, I'm thinking here of some of the uh, <clears throat> ancient philosophers, um, like, um, I'm drawing a blank here, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, Epicurus, mm -hmm. there we go, like Epicureanism, right? Epicurus um, will say, well, we need to be careful on, on discerning uh, or differentiating different kinds of pleasures. Um, and so there are higher pleasures and lower pleasures. There are, in essence, sensualistic pleasures, mm -hmm sensualistic pleasures, right, simply means those pleasures that are oriented towards one or more of our five senses and that they are, they in essence, terminate at our five senses. Wow. Sensualistic pleasures are pleasures that <clears throat> are, are, are designed just to tickle your fancies, mm -hmm. as it were. Um, and then you have satisfactional pleasures. Mm -hmm. Satisfactional pleasures are pleasures that uh, when, when gleaned from or of, uh, they are they are satisfying. They 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 penetrate past your senses and they kind of speak to your soul. Um, <clears throat> so to give you an example, um, I use an older hip hop artist here, uh, Two Chains, um, or, or, or <laughs> Two Chains, um, or, or um, the kind of genre of hip hop rap that comes in sort of that that's operating within that uh, uh, track, as it were. The lyrical content is very low, meaning the use of metaphor and simile is 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 very few, far in between. Mm -hmm. The focus on on the, the lyrics of Two Chain is really not the focus, not the lyrics itself. Mm -hmm. Um and and the bass is sick and good and amazing and just put everything together, that's the kind of music you want to hear in a club. Mm -hmm. Because when you're in a lounge or in a club or in a bar. Everything in there is designed towards sensual pleasure, to, to tickle your fancies, et cetera, et cetera. But then you, let's say you juxtapose a two chains with a comment, mm. right? Or, 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 or a, even an Eminem, yeah. right? An older hip hop artist. Their lyrical uh, capacity, their use of metaphor and simile is genius. Mm. The way they weave together mm -hmm. it all. Mm -hmm. And you don't necessarily want to hear them in a club, mm -hmm. because in that state you're just you're just wanting sensual pleasure, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. you, you don't want anything that's going to get you to really think, as it were. Mm -hmm. uh, and and with the hip hop artists that have a richer lyrical content, you're walking away different uh, uh, after hearing them because it speaks to your soul. Another kind of example is the the kinds of blockbuster hit movies that come out in the summer 
most of them are sensualistic in orientation. Big graphics, big special effects, explosion. The plot is as simple as it could be. Mm -hmm. The lines are just like, uh, right? You, you, it's like cotton candy. Yeah. It's like cotton candy. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be mad. It's like, oh, it's sweet to the taste. And then you'll forget it in a day or two. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, what's next? Wow. But then you, you juxtapose those movies with the movies that come out now, like in the fall, right? The, the, the ones that you see, like in the Oscars, like I've never even seen that movie advertised. How would the, <laughs> I've never even seen these movies, right? But you go in and see those movies in a little independent movie theaters, you're leaving differently mm -hmm. the way you came mm -hmm. in, right? Those are more satisfactional pieces, right? Um, and so you notice here that there are different even degrees of pleasure. Yeah, there's a hierarchy in there as well. Yeah, there's a hierarchy. That's a better word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so all of this falls under the rubric of hedonism, which will which will say, yeah, only pleasure really is the intrinsic good. Mm -hmm. Then you have the pluralists or the monists who will push back. These are other uh, value theories that would say, um, no. Uh, like For instance, the pluralists will say, no, no, no. Pleasure is an intrinsic good, and there are many things we do for the sake of pleasure. There's no doubt about it. But we want to say that there are other intrinsic goods, like human life, so that regardless of whether I get, I, whether or not I get pleasure from a human life, it's still intrinsically valuable. Mm -hmm. Whether or not I know God, if God does exist, by definition, he is intrinsically valuable, intrinsically good, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth, right? So they want to expand the parameters there. Um, and so all this is to say that we don't want to necessarily poo-poo on pleasure and say pleasure is bad and pleasure is kind of a base lower good. Mm -hmm. No, there are many thinkers and philosophers like, no, no, pleasure is in fact deeply important um, and they can be seen as intrinsically valuable. Mm -hmm. But we want to also think about, we want to differentiate what kind of pleasures we're, we're talking about here um, and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you... Past like teachings, and you've talked about living the good life. So, what I guess, like briefly, what is what does that mean? About, like the good life, and and just to kind of summarize our understanding of goods and values, what does that mean? To live the good life is to orient oneself towards those goods that are intrinsically worthwhile. Mm -hmm. To live the good life is to live the life we were meant to live. If I live for the sake of sensual pleasures alone, then I'm living a subhuman life because I need other pleasures to fundamentally or and, and decisively satisfy me. One philosopher put it like this, Socrates unsatisfied is better than a pig that is satisfied. Wow. I think of a quote from Socrates, the, the unexamined life is a life that is not worth living for the human being. What Socrates seems to be saying there is that we have certain faculties, we have certain gifts, we have certain talents, we're made in a certain way as homo sapiens that we need to pursue higher order truths because we're made for that. We're made for the pursuit of truth, for the pursuit of wisdom, for the pursuit of the true, the good and the beautiful. And that if I just forfeit that pursuit, I forfeit the good life. If I say, no, forget about all that truth and whatever, all I want to do is play on my Xbox or my 
this or plays my computer games or just have sex and chill and drink and have good food, I will have a lot of sensual pleasure that will in the end leave me longing for more. I will sense a, a deep existential void as Viktor Frankl in his book Man's Search for Meaning uh, communicates. So we're made for meaning. We're made for purpose. We're made for the true, the good, and the beautiful. And the good life is a life that is oriented towards that, not living a monkish life to the degree we say, no, forget about sensual pleasures. No, sensual pleasures have their place. But they're always seen as subsumed under or under the service of the higher order pleasures and truths and goods and beauties that we're actually made for. So what is the good life? The good life is a life in which we live out the full human life, the life that we were meant to live. And in order to do that is to orient ourselves towards the things that I just said. Okay.